Welcome to Mental Health Film Comment. This is Brian here with you. The Extraordinary Ordinary is a 2020 film about trauma and mental illness and recovery and a lot, lot of other issues. A lot of other issues, um, actually, when I, when I think about it. Uh, joining us today to talk about the film and related uh, themes of the film is director Natalie Rodriguez, and I believe producer also of the film, as I understand it, and, and screenwriter. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Natalie, thank you so much for, for being here. Hi, and thanks today. for having me. Um, no, yeah, I thank do. you. Thank you. Um, I appreciate the invite. Likewise. Um, now, I do want to mention a, a couple resources up front for everyone out there. I know that there are at least a couple different crisis text lines. In the U.S., you can text HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741741. In the U.K., you can text SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, to 85258. And depending upon where you are in the world, uh, check your local listings, um, as they say. Um, Natalie, thank you so much for being here today. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Um, no, definitely, it's an honor to, um, you know, be invited and chat. You know, definitely further about the film and you know about, like you mentioned, related themes. Mm -hmm. Right now, I this film is streaming just about everywhere. Correct at at this point. Would that be? Yes. Yes. Correct. I saw it on a Tubi. I think I mentioned prior to us recording, I'm, I'm on Tubi all the time. So I, I did see mm -hmm. it there. And, and I, li I like it a lot, actually. And yeah. one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on is one of my one of my pet peeves is whenever I see a like a top 10 list mm -hmm. of mental health, you know, friendly films or top 10 films about depression or top to feels about bipolar mm -hmm. it always tends to be the obvious like you know captain obvious type selections i mean not mm -hmm. that they're bad movies but anytime i yeah. see a list that it has oh oh look inside out oh look girls interrupted oh look you know one full yeah. of the cuckoo's <laughs> nest you know god forbid you know I, i'm not a fan of good one full of the cuckoo's nest but whenever i see that it's like yeah. i would rather see a list that has the extraordinary ordinary on it because oh, this is that. a film that I would rather see on a list like that. Yeah, that means uh, a lot. I mean, I'm definitely, um, I'm kind of on the same page that with that too, you know, when things are a little on the nose um, and it's particularly with extraordinary ordinary, um, that title was actually a working title for the past few years. And then I ended up wanting to stick with it. Cause I'm like, well, that's because to me, it was I always thought about films like Ordinary People by Robert Redford, which talks about um, mental health and recovery and, and something like Robert Redford's Ordinary People. I definitely looked to as a format while writing earlier um, screenplay versions of the extraordinary ordinary and especially going into production. I was like, well, the whole point of that, you know, that title Ordinary People, I was like, well, that's what it is. It's it's normalizing, you know, mental health recovery. It's showing like, oh, no, one's not quote-unquote crazy or quote-unquote you know cuckoo right or um and that's what I loved about Robert Redford's film I mean I can go on about that film I just I think it's just so oh, like, I, almost just perfect uh, nose on or not nose on but just perfect the way they portray everything um so definitely 
that's why I wanted to keep the title for our film because I just I was like well you know I want to you know show like anyone can have a mental health disorder and you know whether you're rich you know middle class you know any background you come from you know it does affect you know anyone Oh, and I, I, I actually love ordinary people. That is like yeah. gold. That's gold standard as far as I'm concerned. And I am mm-hmm. still actually so much so that I am still in disbelief that uh, and every every year and every month is always Oscar bashing season. Um, so I could probably get this out in the open. Oh, yeah. <laughs> how, how the hell did ordinary people lose to Chariots, was it Chariots of Fire? I think one best picture, I think that year. How the hell did ordinary people lose okay. to that? That's what I don't, I just you know can't, I, I just c- cannot wrap my head around that. I because thought Chari- ordinary people won best picture. Oh, oh, did it win Honestly, best picture? I always thought the years. I could be wrong. I know right. the one uh, director and then supporting actor, yeah. Timothy Hutton, um, who uh-huh. played Connor, um, Conrad, excuse me, um, the, the main character of the film. But I don't know. I have to actually double check. I was like, I think so, maybe I just assumed they won Best yeah, Picture yeah. back then. So I'm on mic, possibly making a huge faux pas <laughs> when, when I should know better. So what are, what are the, the risks of doing a podcast without editing? And because there's no editing, I can't go back and like yeah. remove me from saying that. So, um, so, so I guess no, the so I guess the okay. so I guess the accurate thing to say would be I don't know for certain if it won Best Picture. I, I could maybe mm-hmm. say that um that that would be um and maybe it didn't yeah yeah no i think i just assumed it did because it's one of those it's like my top top five favorite films so i'm just like this had to win every like award season Um, and it and it shows up everywhere i mean it even shows up in goodwill hunting Mm -hmm. of all places yes and yeah you have the ordinary foot ordinary people footprint like all over the place and and Mm -hmm. movies you wouldn't even think about (laughs) um now yeah what i wanted to ask you i'd be remiss if i did not ask you as far as the polaroid the polaroid camera uh why 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 the polaroid camera and what I'm referring oh, to is, is in the, um, for those yeah. who might not have seen it, the, the, the Polaroid camera plays a, a key role. Would, would that be a fair thing to say? It, it does. It does play a key role. Yeah. But why, why the Polaroid camera? It does, camera? yes. Oh, so for me, um, I just, when I was doing, writing earlier scripts of The Extraordinary Ordinary in College, I actually, my screenwriter professor gave me ordinary people, speaking of ordinary people, to use as a guide. Um, you know, as a screenwriting format, you know, your three arc, your three act structure, the character, you know, how does the character arc and, you know, recover. And the Polaroid camera for me, I think as I was in college, it was, I just always had like that feeling. I was like, okay, this, you know, Erica, the main character of the film, whose journey we mainly follow in this film. I'm like, you know, she's someone that would want to capture like in the moment, like that's the irony with their character is she's trying to, you know, move on from this traumatic incident that she experienced in high school. But at the same time, too, it's like she's also like kind of battling, you know, that internal struggle. So that was kind of like the irony with, I thought, you know, the Polaroid camera would make sense. Like she's someone that, you know, she's not someone who's into Photoshop. She's not someone yeah. that's into, you know, apps like we see like um, Facetune. You know, she's someone that wants to capture like um, in the moment things and, you know, things that you take a picture of and you just don't edit. Like there's no edits. Like everything to her is beautiful. Every, you know, there's, she's trying to find beauty. Um in her new life because of something traumatic that happened to her and her old, her, her past. So 
that was kind of definitely to me. I just had that gut instinct. I think it was like um, intuitional. I was like, it has to be like a Polaroid camera. It can't be, you know, her cell phone. It can't be, you know, your digital camera. It has to be Polaroid. Mm-hmm. Um, and then prior to going into production, I realized, oh, I actually have to buy the camera. <laughs> so um, I was lucky that we, I found a version that looks the, like the, I guess I want to say the old school cameras, the Polaroids, mm-hmm. it's the bigger ones. Yeah. And as soon as I got that, I was like, okay, this just makes sense. Like, this is perfect. Like this fits like the style of Erica. Mm-hmm. And that kind of just like took off from there. It's, we at first did a short film for the extraordinary ordinary before we did the feature. So the short film version, we actually got to experiment with the Polaroid camera. And I got to see Madison Bullock who plays Erica in the films, both mm-hmm. films. I got to actually like kind of see her hold the Polaroid camera. And I actually like kind of as a test run, I was like, here, like take the Polaroid camera take pictures, do what Erica would do. And then she came back, like, I think maybe like two, three, two, three weeks later. And she showed me like all the pictures she took. And I was like, yes, this is, this is right. It just, it felt one of those intuitional things. I know it's so cliche to say, but it's just one of those, you know, it started poorly camera. It started like as a thought. And then like over time, it was like, you know, I think the more I like started seeing like the visual with the Polaroid cameras and then the actual photos that Madison as Erica took, I was like, this just, it makes sense. So, um, and I'm a fan of Polaroids to me. It's, I just, you know, I still have the camera to this day. It's just, it's like a little, you know, it's a special like a uh, item to me now, especially after the film being out for a few months. Cool. I, and you had mentioned something that I was going to ask you about. I did something that I hardly ever do after watching your movie. Mm-hmm. And that thing that I hardly ever mm-hmm. do is go on IMDb to mm-hmm. sort of scratch an itch that I have. And I had yeah. th- this nagging feeling that it, it might have been, that there may have been, been a short film version of it. And, and my hunch yeah. was right <laughs> because I saw yeah. that there was, and I think, uh, it, so it's not, it's, a, not a, it's not a remake for, for me, but it's a remake mm-hmm. for you. You know, I think a few years ago, uh, mm-hmm. speaking of Oscars, I think Whiplash was in a similar yes. Uh, yeah. dilemma because the Oscar people considered it a remake because it technically it did. was. Yes. And that's why Whiplash didn't get a lot of the Oscar love that it should have gotten mm-hmm. because of that. I agree. That uh, adapt, you know, feature adaptation, you know, mm-hmm. criteria. So I'm, I'm kind of proud of myself that, that, that I called it like, Yes, it was. Yeah, because I, mean, I just had this nagging feeling like it. It, it was a very well written story, mm-hmm. and a, a lot of the I, I like stories where there's mm-hmm. just enough to keep me watching to the next scene and the next scene mm-hmm. and the next scene. Um, yeah. And I like movies that have as few characters as possible. And I think that the total major mm-hmm. characters in this one, I think, were under like nine or ten. Yeah, characters. So, both of those criteria, um, I can check the boxes for. Yeah. Um, and, and and more so. I'm not sure if anyone has told you this, but one of my favorite characters that I wish I had seen more is mm-hmm. when Erica goes in to interview for, for for that job. The the hiring manager. Oh yes. Yeah. I sort of wish I had seen more of that that hiring manager because she said that one scene and then she Janet. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, it's funny. She's actually played by one of my dear friends. So Janet's yeah. um, Erica's boss, Erica, part of the sub story and yeah. the extraordinary ordinary, um, which kind of, I don't give too much away, but ties into like the love story 
and the romance story. Yeah. Erica gets a job like at, you know, her, her campus, her school. And she has like kind of this, you know, very like down to earth, very like, you know, you can tell she's like a recovered kind of like party animal. <laughs> um, and her, the boss name is Janet. Um, and my friend, she did such a fantastic job. I wanted to know uh, Jackie Bustamante, who plays Janet, the boss in the film. Um, we actually shot, I think about a total of three scenes with Janet, the character. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those situations where, um, you know, two of the scenes ended up in, um, you know, bonus scenes. They didn't make the final cut. And I just remember I was like, oh, no, but I really like her, her sassiness. You know, the boss is very like, you know, very like up front. You know, she sees drama. She's like, uh-uh, this is my house. Get out. Um, so definitely um, doing the one scene with Jackie where she interviews Erica, I actually we had them improvise. So they did loosely. Oh, so, so that was, so that scene was improvised. Uh, like 80% of it. Yes. Oh, cool, so cool. I remember I took the script from my friend, Jackie, she was reading the script while we're setting up for the shot. Yeah. And I was like, I grabbed her script. I'm like, so we're going to improvise. Um, and a lot of that reason was because on smaller films, like the extraordinary ordinary, you're filming fast. So sometimes you're filming anywhere between 10 to 15 pages, which is, kind of unheard of in like film lands but you know when you're you know you're on a budget or you're on a schedule you're like well we have to sometimes accommodate those scenes you're like I got to trust my actors and you know improvising you know it's definitely I think that's where you just see a lot of the actors have a blast I mean I think they, they bring those characters like more to life or they say and do things you're like oh my god that's so much cooler than what was in the script <laughs> so, yeah yeah um I just remember telling Jackie I was like I want you to make her uncomfortable as possible. Like, I just feel like you're that boss that is just trying to get like, you know, you know, you're someone that doesn't want to deal with like, you know, a teenager. You're just trying to like, you know, make sure she can do the job. <laughs> so that was just, it was a good, that's one of my favorite scenes actually. Cause Alex, who plays um, the love interest of Eric in the film, he was like um, playing back and forth with Jackie in the, that scene. And I just thought it was fun. So I just remember telling my cinematographer, Trevor, um, the, the cameraman, I just remember telling him, okay, don't cut. I said, I'll like, I think I was like, I'll tug on your shirt when to cut the take. But I was like, keep rolling. Cause I'm like, I have a good yeah. feeling like yeah. they're just going to keep going and I don't want to stop them when there's like good stuff you can get out of it. So yeah. Um, yeah I mean, I thought she was a fun character. I definitely yeah, it, shot it, more it stuff was. with her, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that was, yeah, that, that scene when I was watching it, it's like, yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, I, I just, lo- I loved that, that part of the, of the movie. Um, yeah, no, she's great. They're all yeah, great. Well, They're such yeah. fantastic actors. Um, yeah. Now, I, I did want to just quickly um, fact check myself because <laughs> you're correct. I was, mm-hmm. I was no, not only wrong on The Ordinary People, um, which did win, but <laughs> oh, I, I was also, I was also wrong on The Year. Because there, there was at least for me like this string of like like with the Grammys, like with the Grammys being a joke in the eighties. Oh um, yeah, the, the the Oscars in many ways were a joke too. Um, yeah, with the apparently uh, the exception of um, you know ordinary people uh, apparently. So, mm-hmm. um, so I so I do stand partially corrected as far as my um, my my faux pas on the um, the <laughs> the winning best picture, but also the, the wrong year. So I just wanted to. Um, was that the year they went up against and maybe that just came just came into my head mm-hmm. i think it went up against raging bull with Big, um correct the near yeah. okay correct you know what i actually remember that now um 
the screenwriting teacher that gave me the the ordinary people to watch while I was writing the script for extraordinary ordinary. I remember he brought me the DVD because he owned the DVD and he was like, I want you to watch this. And I said, Oh, isn't there like other films I could watch? And it's sad because I was one of those people thinking, you know, I grew up where, you know, people were still upset to this day. They're like, how did raging bull lose best picture. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of had that taboo about ordinary people before I actually watched it. And I remember my teacher gave me the DVD to watch and he's like, keep it as long as you want. He's like, I think you should watch it more than once. I think you're going to appreciate it. And I remember when he gave me the DVD, I was like, this, this is the one that beat out raging bulls. Like, correct. I'm like, so this is the movie that everyone hates. He's like, yeah, but it is a good movie. Like you got to watch it. Correct. But it's sad because I'm glad I watched it. Cause I never had a desire to see it. And it's sad that, you know, I was someone that was like, Oh, you know, people are mad at the Oscars for not giving it to Raging Bull. Yeah. I mean, when they're both fantastic films, but yeah. now I think looking at ordinary people, you know, multiple times, I'm just like, no, that, that was a film that like, you know, you give the Oscar to it. Just, right. just beautiful yeah. all the way around hands down. It, it is now. Um, and, and while I'm in the process of, of fact checking myself, as far as the, the, the faux pas that, mm-hmm. that I made the other nominees mm-hmm. that year, and this would be for best picture category only uh, were, oh, nice. were raging bull, as you'd mentioned mm-hmm. uh, also mm-hmm. Tess, the um, elephant man and coal miners daughter. Oh. Um, okay. Now of those though, the Elephant Man is a movie that I, I really have grown to like more and more and more because mm-hmm. the, which is based on a true story. Um, and oh, it was, okay. it was, it was one of Anthony Hopkins's pre Sounds of the Lambs films. Mm-hmm. And the reason that it sort of resonates with me is that particularly with, with relation to, to mental health and, and, and mental illness, mm-hmm. The Elephant Man of, of of the of the film, I think it was John John Merrick was the guy's real name, I, I believe, or some very I think mm-hmm. might have been a name. He's obviously has external symptoms with depression, with bipolar, with things I do. Those are um, internal symptoms, mm-hmm. and so the Elephant Man. Whenever I, I watch it, it's like, okay, well, what if the guy being treated had all his mm-hmm. his symptoms? In the interior, there'd be there'd be no movie, because the whole just yeah. the movie is everyone being you know recoiling in fear when when they see him. Mm-hmm. So much so that he has to have a, a you know a bag on his head when he goes out in public yeah. to avoid being um, you know spit on and 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 whatnot. And it's like okay, well, yeah. how is you know? So so I watch that sometimes, and I go, well, how is that any different when yeah. there's people who who live every day with people discriminating against themselves for a number of different mm-hmm. um, criteria, however trivial and insignificant it is. So yeah. so I think in some ways, I think the elephant man of those nominees, I tend to like that one the best. And yeah. I know that I, I I might have to like forfeit my Martin Scorsese card by saying that. <laughs> But okay. I, no, I, I, I do I like Elephant Man, though, because I think it, there's a lot that it has to say about like mental illness and, and how we as a society treat people with mental I illness. I agree. Well, it kind of reminds me of, um, and I could have the year wrong, but the 1930s version of The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. That's what it reminds me of. Um, or even Joan of Arc. Joan of Arc was another, I think, from the 30s or 20s. The silent one? Yes, the silent okay, one. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and I remember seeing that, like, I remember I was like a kid when I saw that. My babysitter 
she was like, oh, I want to watch The Hunchback. And I thought that, you know, Disney animated, but no, it was the original. And I remember watching that, like, as a kid, I was like, oh, this is sad. Like, they're very, like, yeah, they're very, like, discriminating, you know, this, you know, individual, like, and I think even back then, I didn't see, like, um, The Hunchback, right? I didn't see him as, like, a monster. So it was very, like, Frankenstein. That's when I made this, like, the two and two, put the two and two together. I'm like, okay, so it's, like, Frankenstein, basically. Or this is where Frankenstein got kind of that whole storyline of, you know, the monster and the castle, the monster, you know, isolated from society. Um, but then the irony is like, well, no, they're all maybe except for Frankenstein, but they're all like human. I feel like Frankenstein, their moral is, you know, he does have, you know, he is a human, like he learns like to, you know, have like emotions, human emotions and connect with other humans. But that's what it definitely reminds me of, um, Elephant Man. And then I heard they're possibly remaking that too. So I'm actually. Oh, no, I, I, I hope yeah. not. <laughs> and I one, of, are, one of the guys like, I'm not happy with right now is, uh, is, um, not, not but the, the guy who made The Shape of Water. I'm drawing a blank on, on his name right yes. now. Um, he is remaking. Um, Del Toro, um, I think. Guillermo no, Del Toro. Yeah, Guillermo Del Toro. He is, yeah. as we speak, remaking a movie I love called uh, mm-hmm. Nightmare Alley. With, oh, um, I don't even know that. Uh, Ty- Tyrone Powell. And it, 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 it has a weird backstory because C.S. C. S. Lewis, you know, the guy who wrote Lion, Witch, Oh, I love Pearl. him. Yeah. When he, he was, yes. he was divorced and he divorced a woman who was married to the guy who wrote mm-hmm. Nightmare Alley. She, oh, of she moved to England and later lived with, with C.S. Lewis. There was a movie, uh, Shadowlands based on that. But before she d- divorced him, this guy wrote Nightmare Alley, which was basically like, like mm-hmm. a pulp fiction sort of, um, like dime store you know mm-hmm. raymond chandler sort, sort of book about this mind reader act that's you know trying to scam people and it's oh, it's, wow. a, it's just a fascinating like a, very much a movie of its era like a 1940s yeah. film noir sort of movie and my first reaction hearing that he was going to re- remake it I was like no no you can't repeat uh, <laughs> but i i, yeah, I love Del Toro, yeah del toro i think he's very I mean he's a fantastic visual director um I I, he is I'm not surprised that he's the one that gets um all the like um the classics um and then he gets he options a script or his production company options those the books or the scripts but um kind of like with Elephant Man I think I could be wrong but I have to double check my facts but I'm pretty sure Bradley Cooper's production company was attached to remake it I I I believe so yeah okay so I kind of maybe I was right there but I believe he's either going to direct it and or star in it. So maybe it's both, but it's kind of one of those things like in film land, which is like interesting. It's you'll see these movies announced, but then they kind of, they're either in development stage for a while, or sometimes they just, they hold onto the scripts because they don't know how to like make it or how to like, I guess, find the audience for it. Like kind of make sure it makes its money, I guess, unfortunately. Um, So I'm definitely curious um del toro is like the same thing it's like they kind of buy all the rights to all these films but not all of them do get made unfortunately yeah. <laughs> or fortunately <laughs> depending yeah. on the classics <laughs> exactly and, and i'm gonna try to hope for the best with nightmare alley because it, it's a movie that that's very close to my heart i mean i oh, and apparently yeah. it was a, it was a passion project for uh tyrone power too because oh, he was apparently at the time like this this matinee idol like you know like yes. some hollywood um you know studio system guy and he went mm-hmm. on, a, on a limb to get this movie made and it apparently flopped and it 
Oh wow! It became a, you know a cult classic in the years mm-hmm. since. Um, but I, I love it. Um, it's and, and I don't know if I'll do a. I don't know if I'll mention that on a future episode. I may. I may or may <laughs> not because it definitely has a lot to say about um, scamming people. I guess that would be the, oh, the wow. way of putting it. But it also okay. it also has a lot to say about just a lot of other stuff, and that's I think why it's so. Even with the backstory, like if you had told mm-hmm. someone, "Oh, this story was written by the ex of." Who, who would be, you know, C.S. Lewis? You could you could make a movie about that, and there actually there there was, but it's almost like the backstory of that movie, the making of. It's like okay. it could be a movie in and of itself. That, yeah, that's um, what it sounds like. For yeah. Sure. Now, now, speaking of which, as far as um, as far as like the the whole movie stuff goes and distribution, mm-hmm. how has distribution and all all that looked for you in, in the last year with? With COVID and you know, oh. all the, the changes in the world, how how is how has that process looked for you in the last year? Oh, definitely. I mean, um, I want to say you know, with distribution, um, you know, with extraordinary ordinary, uh, particularly, I think we signed with the. It was a company. They're called Indie Rights Movies. Um, they pick up a lot of um, dramas or a lot of like um, they have they have a big thriller horror film selection. Um, you know, yeah, we signed with them almost like a year before our release date. So the process is sometimes a long process. I mean, you in talks, you sign, you know, your contracts and they'll be like, okay, next year we'll release this. So you're talking about like months and months of planning. Um, and of course, when I had signed with them, I think it was back in like late August, early September, somewhere around there of like 2019. So 2019 and uh, that year I was, you know, planning, um, we were planning like, okay, so this month we're going to aim to do a, a, you know, a critic screener, you know, get movie reviews, get reviews for the film. And in this month we'll try to go to, we're actually supposed to go to Europe um, to premiere the film. And of course, when COVID happened, um, definitely, I mean, no one was prepared for that. Um, You know, not in a million years, no one expected this to ever happen. I mean, just, you know, worldwide. So definitely um, the distribution side, um, it definitely, it's just one of those, you kind of like roll the punches. I mean, you know, the film got pushed back from its May release date to about August, no, to June and then August of 2020. And a lot of that was just like, okay, well, you know, we're home more. Okay. So like, how are we going to kind of make up for like doing in-person marketing for the film? Because films um, prior to distribution, you get, you know, you mainly have like your actors, your cast, you know, your crew and everyone do like red carpet events or do like in-person interviews. And there's just such a difference. Um, Like, I'll be honest with doing in-person events for promotional for a film um, versus kind of doing sometimes like virtual. But I think kind of the beauty with this, you know, during this pandemic is the virtuals have been doing such a, like been doing fantastic, you know, like podcasts or like YouTube, um, you know, you do like the split screens with everyone talking um, from all over the country. So I think that's what, you know, the distribution, I think myself, and I'm sure many, many other filmmakers can say too, it's, you know, definitely we kind of learned a lot more about the marketing side with your project, which is social media. I mean, social media is, I feel definitely everyone's on it more, even if they're just scrolling. Um, I think definitely, you know, Twitter, um, Twitter, I, I have to thank Twitter for, you know, connecting with a lot of people in the mental health and film community it's 
you know, a lot of people are wanting to like discuss about, you know, certain subjects and certain things that we see in films like um, Extraordinary Ordinary or like things like Ordinary People. It's mm-hmm. people do want to talk about, um, you know, like human connection, human, you know, feelings, emotions. And I think that was also the irony with this whole pandemic was um, not only are you releasing a film, but it's like releasing a film that deals with, you know, you know, characters we see struggling with anxiety, depression, um, some, you know, levels of PTSD and, you know, they're going through a recovery process. And that was also the irony um, with, you know, distribution, you know, you know, kind of 2019, you know, looking, you know, looking at, you know, August, 2020, I was like, oh, by then, you know, we'll be in Europe, you know, traveling, but definitely, no, I mean, it's, if anything, I'm sure, and I can speak on most of the cast and crew too, it's, yeah, I mean, you know, definitely it kind of put, I think, us to test too, you know, not with just trying to promote, you know, our roles in the film, but I think also like, okay, like, we know, like, this is a sensitive subject, like, how do we, how do you promote something without, like, I guess it's like it comes to how to promote a film without like offending people but then you're also like well sometimes you know you know with the films sometimes people forget you know film is like a company um you know it's still like you know like your coals your um targets you know your box you know i was the blockbusters best buys you know they're still being ran you know like you know a company as if you go check in so it's sometimes you know it's one of those sayings and like the show goes on so uh definitely you know you kind of almost have to like learn like okay how would I want someone to pitch this if I wasn't involved with this project so definitely it was a big learning curve and um you know I am fortunate that you know we didn't get discouraged I mean even though there was like discouraging moments but I'm glad that we did go through with releasing the film last August of 2020 um just because it did it did a lot better than we expected so I've been very like I mean really really like happy with the results that we've been getting so far well, I, well, like I said, I, I do think it's a, it's a great movie, and I think yeah. a lot of people would really get get a lot out of it. And um, and, and I had alluded to this um, prior to to us um, recording, but have you gotten any any grief from the? Um, I don't want to. I don't. How do I phrase this? Um, how do, I, how do I phrase this <laughs> without yeah. without offending people? Uh, but I know <laughs> with, with with mental health issues, there mm-hmm. there's either like a, you know getting swayed in the, the pro or anti and, and not being supportive yeah. of people, yeah. whatever recovery may look like for them. And um, and Erica, um, mm-hmm. recovery for her looks one particular way, which is yes. um, depicted in this film. Have you gotten any any grief from people as far as the you know showing? that you know what recovery looks like for, for her oh yeah of course um i think i actually saw this from people outside my circle so like strangers was there was one review um we got on amazon prime um and i think the person gave us like three stars which is shocking because i think reading the review it seemed like they wanted to give it like one star instead mm-hmm. but they did go into explicit details about um how did I say that like offending people too? Cause they made a comment that was like, Ooh, yeah. Like, you know, maybe they didn't understand like someone does have a journey like Erica, or this is another way of how someone recovers, but they kind of, I guess I could use the word mock, but they're like, Oh, boo. They kind of did the whole like, Oh, boo hoo, poor her, like get over yeah. your past kind of thing. Yeah. And I was kind of like, at first I read that I was like, Oh my God, how do I get like, how do I make sure this comment doesn't pop up? But then, you know, I'm glad I'm like, well, I was like, you know, I have to understand, you know, you put up that kind of, you know, a film that deals with um, mental health, wellness or recovery. It's, I I think, you know, matter, you know, who's in it, no matter who you are, 
are people there are going to be people out there regardless they're going to have you know their uh, thoughts on the film on the story the characters and those comments you know of oh you know boohoo get over your past or oh my gosh like you know why is she this depressed or he you know like why are he or she and it's kind of unfortunate because you know I definitely think there's that saying in entertainment it's like you know you have to have like the thick skin or you can't take things so personal so kind of like getting those two comments on Amazon the kind of the boohoo she needs Erica needs to get over it um you know of course I was like offended but then I think after like stepping away from my my phone and um confiding to um one of my um, colleagues who's involved with the project too he's also a producer on the film as well um <laughs> we both kind of settled on well you know you can't take things personal because they're like even you know things like you know we see the marvel films the dc films you know those all get you know heat as well even though yeah. they make billions billions of dollars so yeah. i'm glad you know him and i kind of had that discussion because it's i think it's almost like it's almost bound to happen and i feel like i don't want to say like anyone that makes a product or a project that deals with uh, mental health or recovery has to go in like, okay, I'm going to upset people or I'm going to maybe offend people. Um, so I feel like you should just put it out there and not have to, um, you know, as long as, you know, you're giving the appropriate, you know, hotlines or you're saying, Hey, this is our take on someone's yeah. recovery journey. Yeah, exactly. I feel like you shouldn't have to worry, but. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because recovery is not going to look the same for each and every person. It's, mm-hmm. it's just not. <laughs> yes. And so when, when there's those who would find cause to be offended simply yes. because her journey to recovery looks different than, than, than someone else's, um, that doesn't really, it, it seems just a counterproductive, you know, it seems like a waste of, you know, just a waste of energy. You know what I mean? It, yeah. It's like, that's what someone's getting upset about, you know, really? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, like this good movie <laughs> that's kind of giving people hope and giving people inspiration. And yeah. someone and finds it that. problematic that someone talking about, you know, meds. I don't, so I don't really yeah. follow, you know, I don't follow that mindset. I know people when who, I learned, you know. um, I learned that too with, I think any product, because um, <laughs> I learned that too. Um, it's one of those, you're like, well, you'll know I think how do I say it? but it's like you'll know when someone's giving general feedback on your work right and then yeah. someone who's just being a troll I guess that's the way yeah. it. um so the two reviews I saw like one was one of them was coming tr- like very off trollish like oh maybe they're just someone and I hate thinking this way but I'm like maybe they're just like bashing every film out there right now um because I know it's something they're dealing with on a personal level but I, it's one of those like I think that's why I try not to read reviews so much mm-hmm. um Cause then it's like, you know, I'm guilty of that too. Then you get kind of stuck in the whole, like, oh my God, like, you know, you kind of second guess yourself with self-doubt, but it's like, well, no, like this is the version I chose. Um, you know, like any film, you know, every time I go to the movies, whoever I'm seeing a movie with, you know, yeah. everyone's from that theater is going to have a comment of, oh, I would have done it this way instead. But, you know, it doesn't make the project a bad product. It's just, exactly. I realize okay. any product you see on any subject, I realize, you know, you're going to have someone you know chime in and be like oh i would have done this instead or oh that was a perfect film or oh i like this until the end or this i liked everything but this character so um i'm learning but i think definitely that's what the distribution taught me especially being on streaming platforms right now where um films are you know you're definitely trying to build you know the film's rep and get the film um out 
based on, you know, like social promo or, you know, emailing your colleagues about it. Cause you know, of course with theaters being shut down, it's a whole new different Avenue with um, films right now. Right. And, and the film itself is, uh, um, it's a very accessible story. It's a very, mm-hmm. um, and I think content wise, it's, it's squarely in the, the PG, PG 13 range. So it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's, and I'm just trying to like think of anything that people would have an objection to, and it's just not there for me. Yeah. <laughs> Typically, I, you know, sure, I, I, I always <laughs> like to, whenever I watch a movie, I always like to have like some pros and cons as far as yes. if I tell someone, to move, you know, what, what objections they might have. And for this movie, mm-hmm. it's like, I, all, I have all these pr- list of like pros and like nothing on nothing on, on the cons category. So I yeah. always like it when when I when I can have that honest evaluation of a movie and anything. I mean, it, the only thing that would be on my and you and you probably know this since, since you wrote it. Uh, but there's yeah. there are some moments that go into lifetime movie territory and, and like I'm sure. I, I don't think you would take offense at that at that observation, um, and I don't think anybody watching the movie w- w- would obviously take mm-hmm. offense with the movie when it when it has those moments, yeah. because obviously that's what makes the movie enjoyable. If you yeah. can have like those movie of the week moments, those lifetime movie moments in a movie, mm-hmm. that's going to make it yes. more enjoyable, not not less. Yeah, and no, I don't take offense to that at all. I think actually, um, in the past, like I've. Like not audition, interview Lifetime uh, for scripts, and then uh, times someone mentioned Lifetime. Oh, would you pitch Extraordinary Ordinary to Lifetime? I was like, yeah, but I was like, you know, I think Lifetime, you know, their their formats kind of change. I think right now they're doing a lot more like holiday films, (laughs) like a little bit. But no, there's no offense to that too because um, it made me think about um, which show that I watched recently. It's with Mark Ruffalo. I think it's that. Oh, I forgot the name of it. It's a new Mark Ruffalo show on HBO. And that does deal with heavily with the mental health recovery side. Um, and I kind of like did the comparison of like, well, this, this show is like full on, like you just see every character, like not to, you know, bash the, I'm not bashing the show because I think so it makes a great content. It's very dark. So you don't see the characters ever like in a happy moment. Um, you know, it's a very, like something just happens, like continuously that's considered bad or painful for one of the characters in the show so then you get content like that you know more of your hbo take it's you know no like you know like this is like the darker side or like you know this is like your hard rated r you know versions of film with recovery um i mean with the extraordinary ordinary like no i mean definitely i was like um thinking me and my editor at the time were like is this pg-13 or rated r we're like what's pg-13 they cuss but it's like not like so i feel like like your HBO, like I think of mm-hmm. content like the Mark Ruffalo show or mm-hmm. Euphoria, um, where it's, you know, more explicit um, mm-hmm. with like their things. So no, not at all. I mean, it's, I think like any film and I'm realizing this um, kind of with going back and forth with writing um, TV pilots and then writing your feature scripts. Mm-hmm. I feel like every feature film, because you kind of have to have that closure, I think you do add in your like um, your quote-unquote cheesy lines or cheesy scenes or like your lifetime moments um, especially because if it's um, depending on like who you're trying to target more if you're trying to target like um, more of like a wider audience those kind of films do have more of like those lifetime time moments in their um, dialogue or just the visuals you see um, yeah 
have, have you or any, any of the crew been in contact with any mental health organizations as far as doing any screenings or promotional activity to, to let people know more, more about this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that was definitely something um, I was in discussion with uh, a few organizations um, 2019, but, you know, of course the pandemic did yeah. change a lot of things, yeah. um, which is unfortunate because a lot of them I know, and, I, and it's understandable because I think it's a lot of, I know one of them was, um, I don't know if I'm able to say the name, but one of them said, you know, Hey, we're kind of trying to be careful, like promoting a film that might be sensitive or trying to promote like more like how to self-care during a pandemic, um, how to, you know, kind of self-care, you know, be indoors more, like, what can you do? You know, we can't physically go out so much, but this is how you can like self-care by watching your favorite show. Um, so I think a lot of them are trying to keep things. I think they didn't want to cross over by bringing in like, um, an art product or like a film, um, that could be possibly triggery, um, for their members or people that do follow the organization. Um, and then in that too, like, um, that kind of made sense to me too, you know, especially going into, um, 2020 and then even, you know, this year too, 2021, it was, I think, you know, that time will come definitely. Cause I know some organizations been a um, little more responsive now, like people I've been, you know, just keeping in the loop and vice versa with them. And I know they've been wanting to do a lot of screening films for their members and that's been revisited, uh, within the past like two weeks. So it looks positive for sure. So definitely that's a goal of mine and dream, you know, for I'm sure many of the casting crew too, you know, it's, you know, it'd be nice to definitely have like organization, like, um, you know, definitely like show it, showcase it to, you know, their members. And I think for me too, like as a filmmaker, you know, I love if, you know, there's some type of um, hotline organization that can provide like the appropriate resources for professionals. Um, just cause, you know, sometimes I can get definitely muddled with um, entertainment and I think it's um, you know I like when I see entertainment crossover to like nonprofit groups organizations to um, so you know entertainment they stick with entertainment and they get you know the professionals to give you know those tips and advice to people on hey you know if this film triggered you here's how you can like self-care or hey you know before going in here's like ways to um, kind of like you know watch the film or product so definitely Fingers crossed, you know, hopefully this year, um, but, you know, it's, if not this year, you know, 2022 looks a little more likely, um, just, you know, depending how things, you know, look with the, you know, these numbers, you know, dropping over time with the virus. Definitely. And, yeah. and I, and I don't mention if you're listening and, and you've not seen this movie, definitely go on the, the streaming sites and, yes. and, and watch it. It is definitely worth watching. Um, yes. There's, I mean, it's, and, it, and it's, a, like I said, it's a very accessible, um, very accessible story and a very um, inspiring story. I appreciate that. And yeah. It's, um, yeah. So as, as we wind down, I did want to mention um, a few more resources mm-hmm. for everyone. I know that there is Mental Health America, which is mhanational.org. There's also NAMI, National Alliance mm-hmm. on Mental Illness. NAMI.org, uh, madinamerica.com is a website that people have, have mentioned. Um, now, how would people learn more about, about the extraordinary ordinary? Yes, um, glad you mentioned that. Uh, definitely the best place to find updates regarding um, we're going to get released on a few more streaming platforms. And 
hopefully you know be able to play in um, some theaters uh, you can visit our social media pages we're on facebook instagram twitter and you can find our main website um, in the bio and that's going to be our social pages are going to be the extra ord film so it's going to be as it sounds the extra ord film and you can also find us on i think it's the website linktree mm-hmm. i think it's linktree it's linktree and you'll linktree slash extraordinary ordinary and you can also search us on platforms like amazon prime Tubi, google play we just got on imdb tv so if you have amazon prime you can watch the film for free on imdb tv i just think with imdb tv you get ads so you get like your one minute ads every like 20 minutes or so but definitely um you know we encourage you to check out our amazon prime page um will be under there, the extraordinary ordinary. That's all you have to do is type in the search bar for us to pop up. Well, good, good deal. Well, well congratulations on, on the film's continued success. It's uh, a film that I know is uh, helping a lot of people. There's no, no mind about that. So, yeah. um, so everybody, if you've not seen it, that's going to be your homework this week. And, yes. it, and it's good. It's a good homework assignment, right? I mean, I no think one's so. Be complaining yeah. about that. That's everyone's homework assignment uh, yes. this week. And uh, Zanderley, thank you so much for, for being here today. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and and um, real quick, I wanted to add, yes. um, uh-huh. uh, I don't want anyone to be like afraid to see the film, um, even though it does deal with, um, you know, sensitive subject like mental health recovery. Um, you know, like you said, I definitely want people to see like, you know, there is a hopeful side. You know, we do see the characters, um, they're, they can live in a quote unquote everyday environment. You know, just because someone is struggling doesn't mean they, can't function. Um, so I'm hoping people take that away from the extraordinary ordinary that, Hey, if you're going through a hard time, you can still function in society. You know, it doesn't make you any different, you know, it's just, um, you know, that's the point of the film. It's, you know, people can still follow their dreams, even if they're going through a difficult time in their life. Oh, ab- absolutely. Yeah. So, so thanks. Thanks again. I, I appreciate it. Thank you. And yeah, um, thank, thank you. So those of you at home or wherever you may be um, stay safe, everyone. And uh, talk to you next time. Uh, yeah. Bye. Bye.